I am so thankful that God has let us be part of this church for these last couple of years. And um, God has provided us with a, a wonderful pastor and a great set of elders. And my wife, Christine, and I have been greatly blessed to get to know many of you and watch how God is at work in and through you in your various situations. And I'm particularly grateful that you have reached out to a quirky guy like me. Especially these last few months. As many of you may recall, on September 21st of last year, Christine and I returned from a trip to Tennessee. And I'm a collector of stuff. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> so... I decided to spend my first day back cleaning my workshop. And my workshop is in the basement garage of my home. Well, someone had returned one of my steel containers with just a little bit of linseed oil in it. And I don't like linseed oil because it smells horrible. So I just... Tossed the oil in the trash can along with the rest of the trash. I had no idea what a bad idea that was until my family was awakened on September 22nd, a little after midnight, by fire alarms. I couldn't figure out what was going on. That was until I opened the door to the garage and watched the black smoke billowing up the stairs. And we watched for the next couple of hours as a, a number of fire squads worked to put the fire out. Later, the fire inspector determined that the linseed oil had soaked some of the rags and over a period of time spontaneously combusted, resulting in over $100,000 worth of damage to my house. Because the fire was in my workshop, it damaged or destroyed most of my tools and a significant part of my knife collection. And since the workshop was right next to my study, most of my library was destroyed due to smoke damage. But the worst part of all was that due to the structural damage, we had to go elsewhere. And it's been six months living in elsewhere. In the midst of my exile, as I kicked around the, the ashes of my stuff, which God reminded me is his stuff, it was only in my possession for a season, it struck me how much our stuff will shape our identity. In our culture, we're often identified by what we do, where we work, how we look, what we think, 
and what we have. For some of us, our identity gets caught up in our past hurts, failures, and our losses. Get uprooted and the familiar gets taken away and, and it can be very unsettling and we start wondering, who am I? Why am I here? We can even start asking questions of God. God, are you here? Do you see me? Do you know me? Do you care? Are you able? Are you willing? Can I trust you? At various points in biblical history, God's people found themselves in seasons of suffering and periods of exile when precious places and treasures lie in ashes. And so they searched the scriptures to find out answers to those questions in order that they might praise the God who gives and takes away. One of the scriptures is Psalm 139. And God has brought it to my mind many times in these past few months. It's a powerful psalm to ponder. So let's get searching. Picking up at verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. The psalmist starts out using the revealed name of the God who wants to be known. Yahweh. I am who I am. The God who was and is and is to come. It's a great reminder because while we often come to God seeking to get a little bit more information about our current circumstances, God would have us come to him to find out more about him. We might not comprehend or, or even find out all the details about our situation. But God desires that we gain a deeper, fuller understanding of his heart, his character, his activities, and his purposes in order that we might trust him even in painfully confusing times. The first crucial qualities of God that this psalm underscores is that he sees us and knows us. And there may be part of us thinking, yeah, yeah, I get it. God knows everything. But it's much more personal than that. God knows everything about me. God knows everything about you. God knows us infinitely well. And it's not just a surface knowledge. 
The word that's translated search means to dig down deep, go to the very core, investigate, and fully examine it. God knows us better than we know ourselves. But he doesn't merely know a whole bunch of facts about us. He knows us infinitely, intimately. Know is a relational word. God knows us at our core. Picking up verse 2. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You discern out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, Lord, you know it altogether. God sees all that we're doing. He hears everything we're saying. And he's also totally aware of all the thoughts, the, the desires, the motivations that are behind those words and thoughts and actions. He has, has winnowed our way. He has sifted our path, sorting out the worthless from the worthwhile, the false from the true. For God not only knows us infinitely well and intimately, he knows us accurately. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He knows the truth because he is the truth. And he can spot a liar a far way off, even if that liar is us. Keep that in mind as we look at verse 5. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Being fully known, hemmed in front and back, and, and having God's hand on you can be both comforting and uncomfortable. On the positive side, we can be filled with a sense of awe and wonder that the God who knows me loves me has surrounded me with a hedge of protection. He gets us and he guards us. That's pretty cool. And his gentle touch can be reassuring even in the most difficult of times. But we human beings can be pretty mixed bags depository of all sorts of contradictions. We want to be godly, but we're also enamored with some ungodly goodies. 
We want to walk in the light. But we also seem to want to dance in the dark. We want to be good. But we have this bucket list and some of the things on it are not quite on God's approved list. We love God. But when we're honest, we also love our sin, our excuses, our rationalizations. And we want to hold on to them. And it doesn't help that we live in a world where the, the ungodly tag team of the devil, the world at odds with God and our sinful nature, are all wanting to squeeze us into its mold and shape our thoughts, words, and actions. Satan, the enemy of our soul, is a master of deception seduction, accusation, and intimidation. When he lies, he speaks his native language. And he'll do whatever it takes to get us addicted to stinking thinking. He feeds us lies that we choose to believe. And those in turn shape our perceptions. And in addition to that, we're surrounded by all sorts of worldly thinking that tell us how to look, what to say, what to think, and who we are to be. And not wanting to be weird, we're tempted to go along and to get along, and so we put up a front. We build facades. We create public personas so that people will like us. We're afraid of being seen. We're afraid of being seen as weak and as incompetent. So we put on our masks and hide. And we lie to others. But worst of all, we lie to ourselves. And then that hedge of protection suddenly feels kind of constricting and confining. And in God's accurate knowledge... Now the big question is, I heard you say it, but God knows if you believe it or not. Grab a hold of it. At the very outset, God skillfully knit us together in our mother's wombs. And he does good work. Yahweh knows what he has put into you. We were not, we were not made on an assembly line. Each of us is unique. God knows our gifts. He knows our skills. He knows our abilities. He knows our personality. He knows all those other qualities as well as the calling that he has on your life that you would be his person in the place where he has put you. 
God knows who we are. My identity is not defined by what I do, what I have, or how smart or educated I am. I am who I am says I am. Let me say that one more time and then it's going to be your turn. I am who I am says I am. And now you get to turn to your neighbor. And if you so feel called, let him know. I am, you are, we all are God's handiwork. And even now, he is fashioning me to look more and more like Jesus. And he has created us to do works, works which he prepared in advance for us to do. And what is more, he knows exactly what is needed to draw those things out that he put into us. How to activate it, sharpen it, develop it. And so he said to the people in exile in Babylon, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your good and not your harm. That you might have a future and a hope. He is willing to take us through refining fires. He is willing to take us through cleansing floods. But it's not to harm us. It's actually to give us a future. And he will train our eyes to see him at work, and he will train us to hear his voice, and he will train us to echo his love song. For he has created you for his glory. And he who began a good work will carry it on to completion. But he didn't just put us together and ship us out the door and go, ah, you are on God's heart and his mind all the time. Take a look at verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. By other scriptures we know that his ways are higher than ours and greater than ours. But even his thoughts about each of us, his thoughts about you, his thoughts about me outnumber the grains of sand ponder that for just a moment do a little quick calculation in your mind what that would look like do you think god thinks about you that much 
Let me tell you one of the lies that is out there, that you were an afterthought. Not true. And even as the psalmist considers that, something else occurs to him. Pick up verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, God. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Well, getting honest with God and getting honest with ourselves sometimes means getting honest with our anger. And here the psalmist looks around and he, he sees how so many around him treat God rudely and maliciously. And it, it really makes him mad. Okay, if you wish to out yourself, how many of you have an anger issue, anger problem? I could spend half a day just describing some of those qualities in me. But... The fact is, the psalmist takes his anger and even that, he hands it over to God and recognizes that God is the final judge. So he lets his walls down and he commits himself to Yahweh's lead. As he says, Verse 23 and following. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any grievous, hurtful, harmful, offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Brothers and sisters, God is able, and we can trust him. So like the psalmist, we can let our walls down. We can let go of our God's substitutes, our sin, our selfishness, and our past stumblings, and get held by Jesus. Let us follow his lead. He's here. He knows us entirely, intimately, and accurately. He knows how we're put together. Why? Because he did it. He loves us and thinks about us a lot. He knows us at our worst and has been said multiple times already today it was when we were at our worst while we were acting like his enemies that Jesus showed his love for us by taking the penalty for our sins upon himself and dying on the cross In light of that, let us become who Jesus has created us to be.
Let us do life with Yahweh his way. And you know what's cool? Y'all get a, a front row seat to watch Jesus work in and through you. So get to know the true lover of your soul so that you can get a taste of life that will go on forever. And I recognize some of you are probably sitting there going, oh man, this sermon is going on forever. So, <clears throat> before we go to true, to, to prayer, I'd like to give you a couple more things. One is, by God's grace, it looks like we're going to move back into our house in a few weeks. But I have to be honest with y'all. And yes, I used y'all before I moved to the south. <laughs> God has used this season and this psalm to remind me that that house is not my true home. My true home is with the one who knows me and loves me. And there's one last thing I'd like to share. It was something that was shared with me in another painful time in my life. Many years ago at a pastor's prayer summit, my heart was aching. My wife had just had a miscarriage just a short time before. And it seemed wherever I would turn, I would see fathers holding infants. And it was a song that was sung over me. And I, in turn, when I got back, sang it over my wife. I'd like to try to sing it for you. It comes from Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God, the Lord your God is with you. The Lord your God, the Lord is mighty to save. The Lord your God, takes great delight in you and will quiet you with his love and with singing rejoices over you. The Lord rejoices, rejoices over you. The Lord delights in Delights in you, the Lord will quiet, quiet you with his love and with singing rejoices 
over you and we're singing rejoices over you at that same conference a fellow pastor came over me and started praying over me and he asked the Lord that I would not be there the next year because I would be awaiting the arrival of my next child. I missed the next conference. And our daughter was born two weeks after it. Let's pray. Lord, you are here. Tune us into your presence. Fill us with a sense of childlike awe and wonder. Shine your light into our lives and expose the lies that we are believing. Expose them for what they are, lies. Open our eyes to see what you are doing in our midst. Show us the opportunities you have set before us. Grant us clarity. Let us see those who are around us through your eyes. Fine-tune our listening so that we can not only hear other, what others are saying, but that we might also hear your heart. Guide our words and our silences so that, we, so that what we say might be words of life, light, and love. Lord, we do not want to be timid, so grant us courage. Equip and empower us so that we might truly be your person in the place where you've put it, put us. And may all the glory go to you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.